Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 3. This podcast is for and about people getting ready for their first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, France, and Portugal. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. Hello and welcome back to Season 3 of the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, kicking off the season on July 25th, which is St. James Day, also known as the Feast of St. James. Santiago, or James as we know him in English, was one of the original 12 apostles of Jesus of Nazareth, and the reason we have a pilgrimage to talk about. Hi, this is Nancy. Thanks for tuning in to Season 3 of the podcast. If you are tuning in for the first time, welcome. You are stepping into the third season after we have already covered a ton of ground. If you haven't already listened to Seasons 1 and 2, you may want to go back to the start, to the very first episode, to find out what this podcast is about and why I'm doing this. I'll say more about that in a moment. If you have been listening from the start, from when the first episode aired back in August 2022, and if you are back again with me after taking the same seven-week break that I took from the production schedule, thank you for tuning back in. I have heard from so many of you that you love the podcast and it's really helping you as you prepare for your first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago. During the break, the downloads of the podcast passed the 55,000 mark. So I know you're there and I'm so grateful to have the chance to be part of your Camino experience. I also know that I have some binge listeners tuning in who found the podcast long after I started it. So you might be listening to this episode well after its release date of July 25th, 2023. I mention that because there is some time-bound information in this episode, so you may wonder if it still applies when you are listening. To find out what I have going on now, whenever your now is, you can check out my website for all the current happenings. The website is is thecaminoexperience.com. A few people have written to me and asked that I share a bit more about my own Camino story, so I thought I'd start this season with that. My Camino journey began in 2005 when, while traveling in India, I heard the first-hand stories of two pilgrims who had walked the Camino. One was an Australian woman in her 50s, who had walked the trail and was planning to return to walk with her son when he graduated from high school. She said she knew it would be a life-changing experience for him, and she thought that timing would be perfect. The other was a man in his 30s who had walked from his home in Germany to Santiago de Compostela in Spain and then walked back. I couldn't believe that. He had walked 4,000 kilometers, that's about 2,500 miles, over six months. 
The previous year, I had read Shirley MacLaine's book, The Camino, so I knew what The Camino was, but it was the personal stories that called me to the trail. It was their emotional accounts of how the experience touched and changed them that moved me to go. And it was the timing. I had recently been divorced from my second husband. Then I was laid off from my big girl corporate job, and I knew I didn't want to return to that world. I was approaching 40, and I was wondering, uh, now what? I was in India in April, and by September, I was in Pamplona, Spain, ready to walk. Okay, ready to walk might be a bit of an overstatement. My preparations for the Camino consisted of reading three pages about the pilgrimage trail in a Lonely Planet guidebook, filling a large backpack with what I would normally travel overseas with, including my full-sized pillow from home, and booking a flight to Barcelona. By some great travel fortune, which we sometimes now hear referred to as Camino Magic, I met a woman on the bus to Pamplona who was planning to cycle the Camino, and she knew where we wanted to go once we got to Pamplona, to the albergue. The what? Well, you know what an albergue is, yes? It's a hostel, a place where travelers sleep in shared dormitory-style accommodations. Hostels are found all over the world. They make travel affordable for just about anyone. And they offer a community experience, not typically found in hotels or other types of accommodations. On the Camino, the albergues are filled with pilgrims on their way to Santiago, which was us, so we checked in, got our credenciales, or pilgrim passports, and got settled. I remember feeling a little lost, very uncertain, yet somehow okay with it all. Still, the big question was, now what? I couldn't consult my guidebook. Why? Because in 2005, an English-language Camino guidebook had just been written, but it wasn't yet widely distributed. There wasn't an app for the Camino. Uh, Wait, There weren't even smartphones yet. So I turned to one of the greatest sources of information and inspiration you will ever find on the Camino, the Hospitalero. The Hospitalero is the host of the albergue, and they usually know a lot about the Camino and their city or town. I will never forget this. The Hospitalero took me outside pointed to a sign with the symbols of a walker, an arrow, and a scallop shell, and said, Go that way. In other words, follow the symbols of the Camino, and they will lead you to Santiago de Compostela. That was the moment when I became a pilgrim. For me, the Camino is about moments. The moment when my first Camino friend, that cyclist, gave me the bottom bunk at the albergue. The moment I met Ulrike from Germany at the albergue in Leon, and we became fast friends with the first words we exchanged. The moment I nearly suffocated in the hazy, cigarette-smoky bar in Villafranca Montes de Oca 
back when smoking was permitted indoors. The moment when Jorge from Barcelona sat down next to me in Ruitalan, and I felt his energy washing over me like a gentle wave. The moment when the nun in Carion de las Condes found me trying to sleep on the floor in the hallway to get away from the loud snoring in the dorm room, and she gave me a tiny medallion of Mother Mary before she escorted me into my own private dorm room for a restful night's sleep. It was the same medallion the barman in San Sol had given me, with a smile and a blessing, a couple weeks before. The moments I cried, the moments I laughed, the moments I felt alone, and the moments my heart sang and my spirit soared. And the moment when, in Santiago, I felt the enormity of what I had done, walking the Camino, and I realized I could never again say, I can't do that, about anything. I might choose not to do something in the future, but it wouldn't be because I wasn't capable. So that's my Camino start story, but that obviously is not where it ended. On my first Camino in 2005, I had some knee problems and I had to take the bus a few times and skip a bunch of sections. It felt unfinished for me. So in 2007, I returned to the Camino Frances and walked every step from Roncesvalles to Santiago. Done. And then, I swore I'd never be back. Well, I've been back every year since then, sometimes twice a year. I stopped counting my pilgrimages in 2012 after a conversation with an hospitalera, Orieta, in Viloria de Rioja. She had walked many times, but she shared with me that the number isn't important. I'm paraphrasing here, but she told me that what mattered to her was the experience, the intention, and who she was because she was a pilgrim, not how many times she'd done it. And she was right. I realized that I wasn't at all impressed with how many times I had walked the Camino. But I was so proud of who I was becoming as I walked the Camino again and again. I actually started to like myself more with each Camino journey. I found the best version of myself on the trail. Around the time I stopped counting my pilgrimages, I decided I wanted two things. One, to spend more time on the Camino, and two, to help others get started on their own life-changing journeys. In other words, to share the Camino with others. I thought long and hard about what I had to offer, what were my unique gifts, and also what was needed by the pilgrim community. As I would watch first-time pilgrims on the trail start their pilgrimages from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, I started to notice that for many people, the most difficult part of walking the Camino was simply getting to their starting point and taking their first steps. I mean, really, it can be terrifying to think about turning up in another country where you don't speak the language, you don't have any of the currency, you don't know if your credit card or smartphone will work, 
You're not sure where a visitor finds food and someplace to sleep. Oh, and by the way, you're about to carry everything you're taking with you in a backpack on your back, and you're going to walk for 800 kilometers. Who does that? I also noticed something really interesting, and that was that by the time pilgrims got to Pamplona, three or four days into the walk, they kind of got it. There still was some trepidation, but that initial fear had subsided. Don't get me wrong. For some people, it didn't go well. Some pilgrims were utterly unprepared. They hadn't trained, and they ended up with blisters or injuries. Some weren't prepared for the weather, and others ended up without food on long stretches of the trail with no services. Oh, and those first few nights in the shared dorms in the albergues were a shock to the system. For me, too. So how could I help? Well, I put together a program called Just Get Me Started, and I put up a website, and a bunch of pilgrims trusted me to get them started on their pilgrimages. I've led 13 groups from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port to Pamplona. Yes, that's 13 times over the Pyrenees. I did count that, because I was pretty impressed that my non-athletic self could make that walk that many times plus the four other times I've walked from Sejan on my own. The other thing I'll tell you about myself is that before I started walking the Camino, I had that big girl corporate job I mentioned earlier. My career was in the financial services industry, Citibank, Chase Bank, and a couple of mortgage companies, in employee training and development. I wrote and delivered training courses for bank employees, And my two favorite courses, you'll get this, were the New Employee Orientation Program and Managing Change. I love helping people get started, and I love helping them navigate these big, life-changing experiences. So here we are with the 38th episode of the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, getting you ready to get started on your very own potentially life-changing Camino experience. How's it going so far? I would love to hear from you. If you are already on my email list, you can simply reply to any of the emails I've sent you, like many of you have, and that will get right to me. If you are not yet on my email list, you can sign up on my website or just send me an email at you on the Camino at gmail.com. Okay, enough about me. Now let's talk about what I am working on for you. I spent the past seven-week break from the podcast working on the audio guide I've mentioned a few times. Let me give you some specifics. The audio guide is for those who plan to walk the Camino Frances route and start in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port. That's a really important point. The information in the guide is all about and only about getting started on the Frances route and starting from Saint-Jean, at least for the first edition. Now, I'm calling it an audio guide, but it's so much more than that. This is actually more like a getting started class or course and a guide all in one. 
See, what I've done is I've taken everything I give the pilgrims in my groups and I put it into an online format, meaning videos, audio sessions, worksheets, and mini ebooks. So if you can't join one of my groups because the dates don't work for you, or if the program feed doesn't fit in your budget, you can get the same information, the same content my pilgrims get, minus me as your guide on the trail, of course, but for a fraction of the cost. And selfishly, I get to imagine I'm going with you on your very first pilgrimage. The guide will be available in early August, and if you are on my email list, I will have a special offer just for you before the audio guide is available for everyone else. To get on my email list, either follow the link in the notes or go to my website to sign up. And remember, when you sign up, you also get my top 10 Camino tips that don't usually show up on the top 10 lists. Okay, enough about that. Now, let's look ahead to what's coming in Season 3 of the podcast. I'm excited to tell you that some of my Season 2 guests will be back now that they have walked the Camino. We will hear from Andrea and Jason from Episodes 8 and 9, Laura from Episode 15, Chad from Episode 18, and to start us off coming in just a moment, I am delighted to share with you how George and John's Camino went. You may remember them from the final interview of Season 2, Episode 19. What else? I asked my listeners to send me their questions, and you did. So I will be answering those unscripted throughout Season 3. I also asked those of you who have already walked the Camino to share your best tips, so I will be sharing those too. I would love to get more questions and tips, by the way, so feel free to send those at any time. And I have more first-time pilgrims lined up so you can hear their stories and follow along as they ask their questions, which are probably the same questions you have. Again, thank you for tuning in. I love that you're here. Let's get to George and John. If you remember from the last time we talked to them, George had wanted to walk the Camino in honor of his friend, Aaron. Aaron started walking the Camino Frances on June 3, 2022. Eight days into the pilgrimage, 46-year-old Aaron unexpectedly died on the trail, near the town of Torres del Rio. George wanted to honor his friend, but George had suffered a stroke in 2018 and couldn't manage the challenge of getting to the Camino and navigating the cities and towns on his own. So his friend John offered to go with him and provide the support he needed. This is an extraordinary story of love and friendship. Let's catch up with these two pilgrims. So I'm here with George and John, who helped me wrap up season two of the podcast. And they're back again after walking the Camino. So let's say hello. Hi, George. Hi, John. Hello. This is George. Yep. Welcome back. And thanks for agreeing to share with me and with my listeners your experience on the Camino. The thing I want to start out by saying is I got to meet these two gentlemen in Pamplona the night before I left to come home. And 
that was a highlight for me, just a highlight to meet you two and spend the evening together in Pamplona. So I am, of course, dying to hear how the rest of your trip went. So George, I saw you in Pamplona and you were doing great. Will you share with everyone how your first three days before I met you on the Camino, how that was? How was your start on the Camino? I love it. The Pyrenees is beautiful. It's so quiet. The mountains, um, man, I love that. I go back because I tell you, it's so beautiful. I love it. Mm. The whole thing, the whole thing, eight days is beautiful. But uh, Pyrenees, man, I like that. John, how about for you? How was the start of your Camino? Well, the start, I it was challenging. I mean, it was hard. I mean, that first day, especially, and even the second day, just the severity of the uphill and the downhill, you know, it was a real, it was a good challenge for me. We were very fortunate from a weather perspective. I mean, we couldn't have asked for better weather. It was absolutely perfect. And to George's point, it kind of made it worth it, you know, in that, you know, the beauty of the Pyrenees and that part of the journey made that challenging hike well worth it you know absolutely breathtaking i mean rural spain is just gorgeous yeah it really is and you really lucked out on the weather because it was a very wet month of may and early june and i talked to a number of people who came over the pyrenees in heavy downpour who actually didn't see very much and that's a completely different experience. So you really scored on the weather. You're right. And we were commenting, you know, every day about how far we could see. The air seemed, you know, so clean, the air quality. I mean, you can see forever, mm. um, which, you know, adds to the beauty. Yeah, it really does. Incredible. I agree with you. So what did you think of Pamplona? Mm, I like the Papalona. I like it a lot. It's it's city, um, but I love the bulls. You know the the bulls. That's awesome. And um, sea siding, I said right. The arena, the arena, the bulls there, and um, yeah, I like that a lot. Plus the best one. Um, John and me and Nancy for dinner. That was awesome. <laughs> awesome. That, that was fun. One of my favorite things to do is share Pamplona with other pilgrims because it is so much like a second home to me. And when I can show someone around and have them find the same appreciation or enjoyment that I do, it just, it's such a highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah. We have friends like everyday hiking and then Eight days, no, um, three days, Papalona. The friends there too, right there, we see it. Um, it. It's a city, right? But we see the people, the friends all the time. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's not like going to Madrid and, and or New York and this giant city and you don't know anybody on the street. We were walking down the street to go to a Pinchos bar and yeah. three pilgrims called out, George, John, because they recognized you walking down the street in Pamplona, in Spain. Who yeah. knew that was going to happen? 
<laughs> exactly. I would agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, Pamplona, what, what's kind of cool about it is it's, it's not so tiny. Cause I mean, the, the tiny villages are, are beautiful too, Yeah. but Pamplona is, you know, big enough to where there's a lot to do a lot to, you know, see and to George's point, but still small enough to bump into folks, friends that we made along the trail. Yeah, it's great. So one of you fill me in on what happened after I left you in Pamplona. You were there for eight days of walking. You started June 3rd in St. Jean. I saw you on June 5th in Pamplona, and then you continued walking to Torres del Rio, which is the spot that your friend, George, your friend Aaron died exactly one year before. So will you fill us in on how the rest of your walk went? Well, hiking is fine, is good. Of course, the weather is awesome. Mm -hmm. But for, oh, man, this is hard. So Aaron died on June 11th. We went for Torrance Day Rio, and then a little bit further because almost like halfway for Torrance Day Rio until Vienna, so it's a halfway, um, and then I on that Camino, so that's one year. Yeah, that was very hard. Um, I went. I went for that day. Um, that on June 11th, no, June 11th, I started myself because I want to go, Aaron, just like almost like um, grief or so. Yeah. So I did, I did my hiking myself for maybe an hour or so. And then I, then I found out Aaron died. And um, so I was there maybe, maybe half an hour. Then have um there's um this uh there's um it's it's weird because on the trail halfway to Torrance Rio, on the trail there's a lot of rocks, a lot of mm -hmm. rocks, um and then another a tree with ribbons, right? Ribbons. Ribbons. Yeah. Ribbons. Okay. Yeah. So I saw I saw die um Aaron die right here. Well, the first. The first day I said, um, I have, um, we went to St. John's. I have a two Camino, one for me and one Aaron, right? So I, the whole, the whole day, maybe um, um, eight days, I have my, my shell for me and, and Aaron, me, um, shell too. So went to, he died. I took these, um, his, a lot of rocks. I have um like a, a shell for Aaron, and then um, I have a string for the rocks, and leave it for the for hopefully forever. Somebody called. He went for the um, video, maybe maybe two weeks, and then the the person have a video maybe two weeks. They saw the same thing, that shell for Aaron. You can see it. It's still there. So what I, if I understand you correctly, there is a memorial yeah. at the spot where Aaron died? Yeah. Yeah, because I want to go see that. I, I really want to go pay tribute to your friend and to both of you for the walk that you did in his memory. 
So the next time I'm in Spain, I know I'll be doing everything I can to get by that spot. Yeah. Yeah. Go for a picture for me. I want to see. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. We, we saw a video to George's point of a recent trap, a pilgrim. And so it was there just the other day. And, um, what, what I thought was kind of cool was, you know, one of the friends that we made along the trail, his name's Eddie and Eddie, um, Eddie waited two hours for us to join him that morning in Torres del Rio. Cause he, he was staying the night there where we were staying the night before there. And so he waited an extra two hours just to hike with us. Cause he knew we were going to be coming across that spot. So I thought that was really cool. And you could tell he was, he was touched, you know, by the story and, you know, we really enjoyed meeting Eddie and, um, we're still in contact with him today. Yeah. And he finished, he finished the whole journey. Oh, wow. So this is one of the gifts of the Camino is the connections that we make and you connecting with Eddie and having him bear witness to your arrival at that spot, I think is one of the key things about walking the Camino that we walk with each other. We bear witness to the journeys we're all taking. And to me, that's just one of the most poignant things about the Camino to bear witness to each other's journeys. Yeah. Eddie is a good guy. He's good. Yeah. Wow. John, anything else you would like to say about those days after I left you in Pamplona? What, what was that experience like for you? Well, they were a lot easier than the first two days. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> they were, we really enjoyed them. I mean, and, and we arrived in, in our locations of where we were staying fairly early in the day. And, uh -huh. and most times we were before we could even check in. So, cause we're kind of early risers and tr trying to beat the rain if there was afternoon rain and we lucked out there, but absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, I love the little town of our little village of Viana and that was really cool. And we had an unexpected encounter there where we met DM Burden, who's a renowned English author and, uh, incredible story that he shared with us. We saw him initially when we first arrived in Vienna and George and I were just getting, you know, something to eat. And cause we were hungry after that hike, but, um, he later caught up with us when we were having dinner because that village is so small, you know, he's just walking by and he's like, Hey, can I join you for a glass of wine? And, you know, I was thinking we were going to, you know, share George's story and, and the story of Aaron and why we're doing this hike. But that was not what we did the first hour. The first hour, it was really an interesting sharing uh, on his part of him growing up an atheist and coming to know Christ. And wow, for that hour, George and I didn't say a word. We just sat there and listened to his story, which was giving us goosebumps. And, you know, as, he, as he's sharing and just all these things that happened in his life. But what's interesting about that encounter is <laughs> we learned that, you know, he, he remembers Aaron's story because this, you know, that happened just outside their town, you know? And so they, he heard about it on the news there and he actually went to that location and made a 
cross with stones in Aaron's honor. And he travels the Camino a lot and checks on pilgrims and, you know, if they need water to see if there's any people in distress or whatever. He does that quite frequently, but he recalls that being a, an extremely hot summer last year and that how that might have contributed to Aaron's situation. But that encounter with him, George had a chance to interview him and talk to him about that. And that was pretty powerful, I thought. Wow. Yeah. Last summer was incredibly hot on the Camino. I was there at the time. And I think I mentioned in your last episode, I was on the Camino when the story broke about Aaron's passing and it was unbelievably hot. And so, of course, our first thought was heat exhaustion, but we know it was a little bit more complicated for Aaron. Yeah, really incredible. But again, that's the stories. That's what we get when we walk the Camino. We meet all these people with all these stories and we see how they thread together with our stories. And then we have those to tell forever and always. Yeah. Mm -hmm. George, you sent me some notes about your trip and I would love for you to talk a bit about how it was communicating. You said that your slow pace and the fact that you don't use much slang helped people understand you whose first language is not English. Would you talk about that a bit? John, you know that. <laughs> well, because the comparison point is to me who talks very fast English and a lot of slang. And so, yeah, everybody on the trail, you know, was, it's more than one person that said, you know, well, I find it easier to understand George than you actually. <laughs> and, and I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but every time I love conversation. Mm. Me like one and one or maybe one or two people talking, that's pretty good. My my speech is much better, right? It's is quiet. It, hiking, so nothing that hiking, that's it. So we talk a lot. But Eddie and other people too, that's good because for me, very slow like a point to point, that's about it. Yeah, but the slang, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> John, he know that too fast and I can't figure this out, <laughs> Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting to see what I heard when you shared that with me was that you turned your challenge into a gift to others. Yeah, yeah and your big heart, George. I mean, that's the thing I noticed the the moment I met you when you came off the elevator at the hotel and you gave me a hug, I was just just floored. Just like this guy's all love. This is this is the best. And then to see your friendship and John, the role that you played in this experience of making this happen is just extraordinary. I love your story. Now, how about how about going back? When will you both be going back to walk the Camino again or more? One year. You going tomorrow? Tomorrow? <laughs> no, I, I'm going one year. I have a friend, my sister, Cindy. He said, I will go. And I said, well, first, John, but probably next year, probably work. Um, so maybe Cindy, my sister, he said, and Shelly, um, and uh, Cindy said, I will go. So I'll go next year. Yeah. Fabulous. And so will Cindy then provide you with the support that John gave you this year? Or John, are you going on that trip as well? 
that's to be determined. My wife and I are actually talking. I'm, I might be able to convince her to do really? a week. And yeah, so <laughs> we're, we're still talking through that, but that would be fun. Oh man, that would be awesome. That would be great. I would love to see you both over there. And in fact, I would love to walk with you for a few days, you know, more than just catch up for Pinchos in Pamplona, but just to be able to share the trail with you and share the energy of the trail and what you both bring to it is such a gift. I'd love to be a part. Yeah. yeah very cool. I have another, this angel, right? You angel all the time. Do a Camino. You see magic or my angel. So I have my angel. I would talk with me every day for maybe four four days or so. But his his home is Denver, Colorado. His job is speech therapy. I'm thinking, I mean that's that's weird. I mean speech therapy in the Camino in Spain. I'm, I'm telling you that oh, that's the angel because I need help. So, no, he, he was awesome. That was great. <laughs> I think that takes the saying the Camino provides to a whole new level. Yeah, no, no kidding. kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's great. Well, are there any other stories or anecdotes or anything you'd like to say about your Camino before we get to this final story I'm holding out for the end. I'll tell you, John, thank you for everything, really. Uh, Camino is huge undertaking, especially with aphasia. Language distorted to my stroke. My speech and reading and math and writing is not great. But John helped me a lot. Um, you have you have a planning. You have a you have a a, a Spanish. That's great. And um, navigate airport man. When things are busy with a lot of people, it's fast. Then I messed up. So, but anyway, but John, John, thank you. I was honored to be able to go with you. You've done so much for me over the years and I was glad to be able to do that with you and um you know uh, man it, and thank you for encouraging me especially those first couple of days because that was not easy so it was awesome we had a great time and absolutely would do it again yeah. I so appreciate you coming back on the podcast to share your story and I want to wrap this up by sharing the part that George, you shared with me, and I can't remember exactly when you shared it. it. It would have been after you were done walking. It had to be because the dates you were walking were June 3rd through June 11th. Yeah. And the significance of June 11th was the day that Aaron actually died on the trail. Now, if I remember correctly, he was walking with a few other people. And two of those people were a couple from Italy. Yes. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> you want to tell us about that couple and what happened next? Yeah. Well, Thomas and Miriam, they went for the honeymoon. It was awesome. It was pretty fun. Camino was their honeymoon? Yeah, it was right. It was the, you went for a honeymoon for the 
Camino. Okay. So that's fine. But then he died, right? And then Thomas and Mary was there too with Aaron died. He had probably a CPR for maybe an hour, but anyway, he died. Then in one year, so Thomas and Miriam had a, a, a new baby, a new baby. And what day was that baby born? June 11th. The exact day that Aaron died. Yeah. What did they name their son? Aaron. I mean, oh gosh, that's awesome. I mean, that's divine because. <laughs> For sure. You know, yeah. I cried when I read that, when you sent me that story. Me, me too. <laughs> I was crying. It's just crazy. But yeah, that's what's called um, full circle of life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Full circle and finding the gifts no matter what happens. Right. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I appreciate knowing the rest of your story and knowing that baby, beautiful baby Aaron born on June 11th. Yeah. It's hard to even say that out loud without crying. It's so moving. Yeah. So anything else you would like to share, either of you? George, thank you for all the research you did. The research you did to connect us with Nancy. I mean, all this guy has seen, read everything about the Camino, watched every video about the Camino. We were very well prepared and had a great time. Yeah, it was awesome. It was beautiful. Yeah, everything was awesome. But I want to go back, you know, I'm going back. (laughs) Well, when you get ready to go back, I'm going to invite you back on the podcast because I want to hear about that trip as well, before and after. And I'm certain my listeners will as well. So thank you both. Well, thank you. I'm just so touched and so honored to have you both and have your story told. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Yeah, my pleasure. 